The following program was produced by a community producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the community producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. special Halloween edition. I am not in Malden, Massachusetts. I am in Salem, Massachusetts, where it all began. And tonight's going to be one spectacular spooky show. Tonight's guest, I am bringing in Malden native, 1980 Malden High School graduate, Bob Gattrall. Bob, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Um, what's your name? Uh, my name is Mike. Mike what? Sharon. You're the youngest no. of the Sharon brothers. I'm not the youngest. I'm, I'm fourth in, in the line of five. There's only there's only four Sharon brothers. No, I believe there's five. No, there there's just four. There's Steve, yeah. then the twins, Gary and Greg, yes. and the youngest is Mark. And, well, you skipped over me. I am after the twins. I am fourth in line. My name is Mike. We know each other, Bob. This is... So you're the oldest one who was in the Air Force? No, 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 no. That's, that's, that's Steve. That's Steve. Yes. No. So you're, you're the one that's a singer-songwriter that I went, I was in Guys and Dolls with in high school. You're Greg, right? No, Greg is one of the twins. He is second in line. And the other, I, I am, and the other twin is Mark. No, the other twin is Gary. Mark is the baby, and I'm fourth pop. And Mark with, plays he, the, the guitar, and he's the one that sang that pretty song? No, 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 no. That's my brother, Gary. I am Mike Sharon. I host a show, 0214. Bob, you know this. I invited you on the show. And what's your name, sir? Mike Sharon. Bob, we're doing I've, a show. I've for... heard that somewhere before. Da -na 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 -na. Mike Sharon. I know thanks who for, you are. Thanks I'm for just, bringing I'm, that up, Bob. I know. I'm sorry. I couldn't uh, help uh, it. We've got a great show for you tonight. Bob Goutreau is going to take us on a ghost tour for this wonderful company that he works for, Salem Historical Tours. Bob, what's in store for us tonight? I'm going to get all dressed up like my uh, skeleton character. I'm going to take you on the tour. I'm going to tell you some scripted ghost stories and some personal ghost stories. Can't wait. Stay tuned. This is going to be a fun night. Follow him. Okay. Come with me. Or as my character says, follow me. All right, folks, here we are in Bob's bathroom, which I thought I'd never say in my lifetime. But here we are. And uh, Bob is going to demonstrate uh, the transformation that goes on that, that he uh, turns himself into this wonderful character. So, Bob, why don't you... So, uh, you saw me coming in. Well, this is the mask that I wear because of the COVID. And uh, I want you to know, I always thought, you know, I'm a pretty good-looking guy. But with the mask on... I'm flipping gorgeous. <laughs> so, but anyway, what you do is, uh, well, you could use this, or at least half of this. We might save this for later, but it is going to uh, block out the neck. Okay. And first, let me get rid of the mask and the glasses. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to black my eyes. 
And the reason I'm going to black my eyes is because it's going to make my eyes uh, pop out from underneath the mask. And this is just black grease makeup cream. Put a little on your finger. First I do the Groucho. And I put it over there. And I put a lot because I'm going to move it down. When I go underneath the eye, I want to leave some extra room and make my eyes look wider. You see how I'm go not going right up to the limb? Yeah. But that's just to cover it. And this is, you're going to see, by the time it's done, it sort of looks like uh, the Incredibles mask. Wow. So... Oh, were you trained in, in, in makeup? I was, I was. When I went to Emerson College, they taught us all about makeup. And for you folks at home, you should know makeup kind of saved my life because I was afraid of the Wicked Witch of the West until I was like 15 years old. And once I learned how to do makeup, I was never afraid of another monster in my life. You know what I'm saying? Same thing with watching wrestling, you know. Don't watch the guy who's doing the beating up. Do the guy, watch the person that's getting attacked because they're doing all the work as an actor. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. all so, the reaction. And, right. Yeah. And this is really all I need. I mean, I certainly could just paint the skeleton face. But I wanted to show you what the mask I'm using now is uh, because of the COVID. But when we go out, I want to show you the awesome masks. So okay. I'm actually showing you two masks. So where's the big skeleton mask? There it is, down here. And uh, this has a thing on the back which is too big for my head, so I'm going to have to twist it. But watch this now, because what I'm doing is I'm taking this, just turning it around and getting the black side, gotcha. because the black side is going to cover all my face and all the things that are going to be underneath the skeleton mask. And I have to cover my nose because the nose is a hole, see? Right. So this is a nice mask. And when you pull it tight, it actually talks with you. The problem is, is it clicks. You hear those teeth? <laughs> so, so that's one mask. And this is the new one. It was $15 at CVS. I was like, I have to pick it up for my collection. But you see, because I left that extra line underneath my eyes, yes. that extra space, just how big my eyes look. And with a mask like this, it's all about your movement to make it look scary. If I want to look scary, I'm going to tilt my head back and look at the camera. If I want to look ominous, I might come up and hold it like that. It's all about your body movement, and there's not a lot of face. Wow. But this, this is already an upgrade from our old one. I just want you to say. Oh, I know, right? So, and this is just clear adhesive. This is eyelash adhesive. In show business, we call this latex. So, I, and a lot of people use brushes and applicators. I love to use my fingers. And I'm just going to put some here because it's got to stick to my mouth and my face. And over here, I don't care because that's a movable area. I don't want to glue that too much but I do want to glue my forehead and I'm going to glue my... Wait do you see this mask that's coming up. This is an unbelievable mask. In French it's called the decoupage and what it does is it moves with you. And did I get any on my nose? No, I need some on my nose. That's the most important part because that's an anchor. 
So I start with the nose and glue the nose on and then I'm slowly going to work myself around this mask and glue it to my face. Oh yeah. See that? Yeah. And then once it's on, I'll, I can repaint it. But there's not a lot of glue up here so I have to do a little repair. Okay. And it's usually a quick one, but it's terrible because now I have to put glue on my eye. And when the glue comes off, well, sometimes it can go down into your eye, and then you just have to keep acting while you suffer because all of a sudden the glue has spilled into your eye. I was going to say, is it, is it, what's the comfort level on this? And does it, it's it okay. Yeah. The mask is really light. Give it a feel. Just feel how. I'm so sorry. I had to do it at least once. <laughs> I knew this was going to be that kind of night. I know. Listen, well, some people sniff glue, but it just leaks in your eyes. Well, some of the stories you're going to hear are just, you know, literally unbelievable. So, and what I'm doing is I just want to glue this right to my eye. Because it's fascinating. Isn't it? Yeah. So, and I'm trying to make it as close to being my face, and I'm also putting the putting stuff where it should be. In other words, I I want to show you how this mask can smile in a second, and this might be one of the parts where you speed up where I play with the mask. Watch when I smile, the mask will smile with me. Oh, wow. See that? Yes. And that's why I wanted to show you this mask. Okay. Yeah. Just because of that smile and how effective that is when you're out doing the tour. Yeah. So now what I've done is I've got some powder here in my sink. I'm just going to set that color by taking the powder and turning it from cream into like a canvas almost. A little bit more powder. And then because I can't find my brushes, I take a little black, put it on the sink. I'm going to take the edge here and just dip that in the paint. And welcome to the Bob Ross Show. <laughs> We're going to do a happy little skeleton. I mean, that's that's a scary face, Bob. See that? Yeah, that's great. Well, it's interesting, you know, because as a performer, I always was looking for, you know, my own voice. And when I went to Emerson, they taught me how to speak properly. But I was I did the whole Fran Drescher thing. I was like, yeah, that's not me. <laughs> it just doesn't sound like me. And did you see how I'm making teeth? Oh yeah. That's wild. And that's just quick tricks just to show you. 
So before we go, I'm going to put this, that, and that's alright. And then go over it with just a little bit of black. There we go. That's wild. Isn't that a great mask? Now watch. In here, I have a t-shirt. And the t-shirt is going to cover everything else that is my head. And here it is from, well actually, so now I'm taking off the mask because I'm not going to use it. But this is like a, the evil nun look. You know what I mean? So I'm going to take this, no I'm actually going to take this, and this is what I used to do when I do my old Italian lady character, Mama Rosa, I would just put my face through the thing, except I want the red on the top, because it's not going to be seen. And now we first the chin, now watch this. Oh, wow! Can you see that? There you go. And I can still show some more jaw. And look at that! And there you have it! And who is this that we've turned into? Yes, the character's name is Boo. And the last name is Tiffle. Um. Boo Tiffle. And here we are. We are ready to go on the ghost tour with Mr. Boo Tiffle. Well, wait a second, uh, Mark. Uh, Mike. You, uh, you, you, you can't go dressed like this. <laughs> Why? Well, here, hold on. Let me work my magic on you. <laughs> what, what, what happened to me? <laughs> and now... You are a ghost hunter. And, and we're, we're, we're ready to go in the ghost tour? Sure. Let me tell you about the first day that I, I came here. You know, I've seen lots of ghosts in my time. I've seen the see-through kind, like Casper. I've seen the dark shadow people standing in the corner. And you got to understand, folks at home, I'm a big scaredy cat. Listen, it's terrible. I won't hang my dark bathrobe up on the bathroom door because it looks like the angel of death in the middle of the night. <laughs> it's splendid. Now, I'd seen, I'd heard about people seeing a ghost that they thought was a real person. I never saw anything like that. My first day here, David comes walking in because he's going to show me this tour. And coming up next to him, there's this old lady all bent over. And I could see her white dress and the green leaves. And here, you stand here. Put your back to the camera. You're going to be the guy. Yes. The woman came walking behind the guy, and I just assumed she was coming around the other side. So I went, hi. And the guy looked at me, and he goes, yeah, hi. And I said, where's the old lady? He said, what old lady? I said, the one that came in with you. And he said, I came in here alone. <laughs> so... Uh, I didn't know what was going on, and uh, and uh, when the tour was all over, you can come back here now. When the tour was all over, I said to my boss, I said, David had somebody attached to him, and he said, how do you know she was attached to him, not this place? And I get all offended. I said, she came in with him. She was using him to hide behind her. Betcha she's related to him. He said, why do you say that? I said, because when she went to cross behind him, she didn't finish. If she'd come around the other side, that's crossing behind somebody. In retrospect, from the looks of it, she crossed right into him. And the next time I saw him, I said, let me ask you something. Is your mother alive? And he said, what kind of question is that to ask somebody? And I said, what about your grandmother? He said, oh, she died about a month ago. And I said, really? Was she so hunched over that she looked like she was looking for change? Was she shaped like an upside-down J? And he said, yeah, how'd you know? I said, well, tell me this. 
Did she ever have a white dress that had little green leaves all over it? Little black outlines around the green leaves? And he says, dude, you're scaring me. That was her favorite dress. She was buried in it. How do you know? And I told him just what I'm going to tell you nice folks at home. I'm only telling you what I saw. And I said, if you wanted to go to heaven, I suggest you pray for her. Because I think her idea of heaven is following you around, making sure you're okay. Splendidly spooky. Splendidly spooky. Ooh. Isn't that a wonderful story to wonderful. start out with? Wonderful. You know why? Because not all ghost stories are terrifying. Some are creepy, some are sad. I'm going to tell you all about them. All you have to do is stay close to my artificially lit lantern and uh, follow me. Here we are, my little children. We are here at Daniel Lowen Company with my friend, Boo Skidder. This is Daniel Lowen Company. This is the company that put Salem on the map as being Witch City in 1890. They came up with the Witch City Spoon and the country found out about it because of catalog shopping. And our business started just down that street, uh, right over there in, next to the ledger. And uh, the original owner's name was Carolyn Cook and she ran a ghost company, but she didn't believe in ghosts. She was a total cynic. She had this girl that was working for her that was a tour guide and the girl needed the ladies room. So the boss said, well, you could use the one down the hallway. That's okay. You got to see the one downstairs. It's just beautiful. So the girl starts walking down the hall. Well, as she's walking down the hall, she saw coming toward her a blonde lady dressed in blue. She thought it was another tour guide because the woman was dressed in period time clothing, not this time period. And she said the woman was making a beeline right at her. What do you do when somebody walks at you? You do what I call the awkward dance. She went like this. She said when she did that, the blonde lady dressed in blue did not stop rocking. She just kept walking and she walked right through the girl. Well, she turned around, there's no blonde lady dressed in blue to be found. When she turned back around, she realized she had a terrible pain in her neck. And so she ran upstairs and she said, Boss, boss, I was on my way down the cellar. I saw a blonde lady dressed in blue and she walked right through me. And after she did, I got a terrible pain in my neck. And the boss said, Oh my God, I have a pain in my neck too. It's you. I can't believe you believe all this ghost stuff. And she teased the girl for a couple of weeks. And what made her stop? One day, one of the boss's friends walked in and the same exact thing happened to her. And the boss, though she was a cynic, knew that this happened to two people that didn't know each other. The same thing happened and that's what's called a repeat haunting. And Carolyn changed from a cynic into a skeptic like that. What do skeptics want? Skeptics want proof. She went to town hall. She wanted a list of the people that have died in the building and they gave her the true story of the lady dressed in blue. She'd been what's called an indentured servant, working for a ship's captain, dating a sailor. And the sailor got her pregnant, he wanted to do the right thing. He went to the captain and said, let me buy her from you. And the captain was the man in charge. He didn't like it. He said, you belong to me, and she belongs to me. Even the baby is mine. Because he'd been having an affair with this girl, too. The story says the captain and the sailor get into a horrible knife fight over this girl. They say it happened in the alley, right in back of the church. Before it was Daniel Lowe and company, it was the church. The girl saw them fighting. She tried to stop them. She got in between them to separate them, but she accidentally got stabbed. And you know where, don't you? Right in the neck. That's why those living people got the sharp neck pains. The captain and the sailor joined together. 
they brought her down in the basement because the minister opened up the door for them and the captain paid him a hefty price. The captain and the sailor and the minister took the girl down the basement and they bricked her up behind a wall. They did it in the middle of the night by candlelight to cover up their crime and their shame. And when they were walking away, they heard, help, help. Apparently the girl was not dead after all. They searched and searched all night long as the screaming got quieter and then less frequent. And then it stopped. In the morning, the captain of the sailor skipped town. That girl's body has never been discovered. And a lot of people, me included, think she's still in the tunnels that run under Salem. Behind that brick wall, body and soul. So that's a story. You think it's too much with them breaking her up behind the wall and everything to Edgar Allan Poe for you? The first time I heard that story, I was like, that's just a story. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you my story about the story. The first time I did this tour, I did it in front of this white door that's over there. And I'm standing there, and the crowd wasn't even paying attention. They were on their phones. They were, like, looking at me like, you're so funny, bone boy. And then something changed. Everybody got real still. And their eyes got big, and some people took a step back and put their hands up. And when I saw them acting like that, all I could think of was, well, I must be doing a good job here. So I started walking away. As I'm walking away, this guy from the tour grabs my shoulder, and he turns me around, and he says, Bob, did you see that? When you were telling the story, the door opened up behind you and a blonde lady dressed in blue, just like you were talking about, she came out the door and she was standing over your shoulder. She was smiling at you. Did you see that, Bob? I said, you know what? I don't want to see it. You can have the lantern, you can have the mask, take my badge, I'm out of here. I was scared as anything. And I get offended too. I said, I'm supposed to scare you people, you're not supposed to scare me and I start walking away. Well, as I'm walking away, something didn't make sense to me. And I turned around and I said, wait a second. Did you all see it? I know you were all looking at me, so that means you all saw it. Did you all see it? And some of them said no, which at the time I couldn't understand. How can you be looking at me and not see it? I said, how many of you saw it? 10 out of the 15 people raised their hands. You know what? They were the same 10 people that at the beginning of the tour had said they believed in ghosts. Only the believers saw it, not the skeptics, not the cynics. True story. And that's why it's better to be a believer on a ghost tour. You get a better tour that way. Follow me. Hello, my children, we're back. A spot where the world's greatest magician, Harry Houdini, played right here in Salem, Massachusetts. Harry Houdini played at the Empire Theater right here on Essex Street in Salem. The theater was knocked down in 1950, but it once stood where this parking lot behind me is today. So have a quick look. There it isn't. Harry Houdini was the world's greatest magician, and yet he said there's no such thing as magic. He said no one can make a trumpet float, anyone can make it look like it's floating. But that's not magic, that's an illusion of magic. He said real magic does not exist, and neither does talk. The 
between living and the dead. He said it couldn't be done. The problem was he had a really good friend who totally disagreed with him, and that was the great Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the inventor of Sherlock Holmes. He said to Houdini, only common people can be fooled by this stuff. Well, I'm no common man. You tell me, how come I went to a seance and I heard my dead son's voice? I'm no common man. I'm Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. You're not trying to tell me that a man of my intelligence could be fooled, are you? Houdini said, in our grief, we're willing to be fooled. And it's not like he wanted to be fooled, he just wanted it to be real. When his own mother died, he went to seance after seance, hoping to hear her voice one more time. She never came through. That's why Houdini despised the profession so much, he tried to destroy it. Houdini would go to seances dressed up in wig and glasses, and they were called table wrappers. You'd sit around the table, and the psychic would say, if you're there, knock once for yes, twice for no. And they're there! And at the beginning, all the lights would go out, and then a spotlight would come up on a floating trumpet. That was to symbolize that Gabriel himself had parted the veil between sides. Well, Houdini said there's no such thing as magic. No one can make a trumpet float. Anybody can put wires on it and make it look like it's floating, but that's not magic. It's an illusion of magic. He said real magic doesn't exist. So he used to go to these seances dressed up in costume, and as soon as he saw the trumpet floating, he'd take off the wig and glasses and say, I'm the great Houdini, and here's the wires. And Conan Doyle challenged him. He said, if all this stuff is fake, let's just see. Because my wife does free writing, and she's been getting lots of success with it. Do you know about free writing? You close your eyes and put your pen on a paper, and just move your hand around. Don't draw anything specific. Just keep moving it. And then after a couple of minutes, you open your eyes and interpret what you see. They had a seance in Great Britain to reach Houdini's mother. And during that seance, Lady Conan Doyle wrote 16 pages. 16 pages of, oh, Harry, I love you. Harry, I miss you. Harry, pray to Jesus with me. Harry, come to Jesus with me. And Houdini didn't say anything at all. You know why? It's a job he used to do. He said those people just want to make sure their loved ones are safe. Just speak to them kindly and they'll be happy to give you their money. But he didn't say anything for her to go on. The Houdinis made their polite goodbyes to the Conan Doyles and they went back to America. But when they got back to America, what a letter Harry Houdini sent to Arthur Conan Doyle. It said, I appreciate what you and your wife were trying to do, but uh, you're both a couple of frauds, aren't you? Because number one, my mother never called me Harry, that's a stage name. She only called me the real name she gave me at birth, and that's Eric. Whoever came through calling me Harry Harry, that wasn't my mother. And number two, speaking of names, my real last name is Weiss, Eric Weiss. Could you tell me why I pray to Jesus when I happen to be Jewish? Which brings me to my third point. My mother never spoke a word of English in her life. She spoke German and Yiddish. You know, I think it's amazing how after she died, she learned the English language so well that she could speak 16 pages of it. Believe me, folks. Harry Houdini wanted to hear his dead mother's voice so much. To this day in his grave, his pillow 
is a pile of his dead mother's letters. It's really touching. He also loved his wife Bess, and I love this part of the story. She said, I know you don't believe in it. Well, you know I really do. Are you trying to tell me that if you die first and I have a seance trying to reach you, that even if you could come through, that you wouldn't? Because in life you said it couldn't be done, and in the afterlife you have to back it up with words. Honest to God, honey, if you had the opportunity to talk to me one more time, wouldn't you take it? Houdini said, look, I say it can't be done because I don't know how to do it. If I go to the other side and find out how to do it, I'll happily come through. And it won't be like seances of today. I'm not going to say anything to you to give you a sign that could be interpreted as being me. I'm going to say two specific words to you so you'll know it's me. Well, we don't know what those words are, but suffice it to say, she never heard them ever again. Houdini died on Halloween 1926. For the next 20 Halloweens, Mrs. Houdini and the Society of American Magicians tried to reach him, and he never came through. After 20 years, she sent a letter off to the papers, and the letter that Bess Houdini wrote said this, if you see me in public with a man, that would mean I'm on a date, because 20 years is enough to wait for any man living or dead. True story. Follow me. <laughs> Welcome to Witch House. Come on over here. Hey, let me tell you something. A lot of people say that this is the scariest part of the tour, you know. Here? Yeah, you know why it's the scariest part of the tour? Why? It's bad joke time. <laughs> right up your alley. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey. <laughs> you want to buy some grass? <laughs> How about a bone? <laughs> all right, enough of the bad jokes are all over. Don't worry. Ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce you to Witch House? Witch House? This one. Um, it shouldn't be called Witch House, it should be called the Judge's House, but there's a notable feature on the house. You'll notice the diamond shapes on the door. It's a decoration, and it's made out of nails. Well, the nails used to go all the way through the backside, and you, on the other side of the door, you didn't want to get those nails in your backside. So on the other side of the door, they would take a hammer and they would deaden the doornail. And that's how we get the saying, is dead as a doornail, or deader than a doornail. Follow me. Here we are at Rope's Mansion Garden with my friend, Boo Tiffle. You're gonna love Rope's Mansion Garden. Folks at home, I want to tell you that everything I'm telling you is the truth. And believe me, buddy, when we go back in this garden, let me tell you, it truly is enchanted. Folks, when you enter the garden, there's two steps down through the trellis. Listen, buddy, make sure you take both of them. The tour's trippy enough. I don't need anybody tripping. Follow me.
There's a sundial here in Rope's Mansion Garden, and there is a poem on the sundial. And the poem says, Hours fly, flowers bloom and die. Old days, old ways pass by. Love stays. Yeah, love stays here in Rope's Mansion Garden, and apparently so do the gardeners. There's been a repeat haunting that happens in this garden. People will be walking through, and they see a gardener on one knee tending the flowers. And they wave at the gardener, and the gardener waves back, and the person goes to walk away. For some reason, they want to talk to the gardener one more time. They turn around, and the gardener who was once there is no longer there. And it's a repeat haunting. It's happened over and over and over again. The interesting thing is all these reports come from a little thing known as the daytime. Apparently, ghosts do come out in the daytime. I've been working for Salem Historical Tours for six years. Let me tell you what I've noticed in six years. Remember, I can only tell you what I saw. In six years, I'd never seen any paranormal activity on that side of the garden. There are two concentric circles and two cross paths. And this path that goes this way is the cutoff point. You can take pictures of living people over there and they'll come out, but no dead people have ever come out in six years. And why? I don't know. The whole first year, usually people get orbs on ghost tours. We didn't get any orbs. And later years, there'd be blue orbs up near the house. But why? I don't know. And the whole first year, when people aimed through that archway, they got rods, a long, white, bright, lightsaber-like rod just hanging in midair. Solid white and bright. That was the first picture. And in the second picture on the guy's camera roll, it was red and blurry going like this. And if I tried to figure out what does that mean, I thought it meant stop and back off. There's something about this garden, folks, that makes me think, you know what? Maybe ghosts aren't ghosts. Maybe there's some way we can see each other through time. It means they're alive in their lifetime and we're alive in our lifetime and neither one is dead. We just can just see through time. Don't think I'm crazy. I bet you've done it too. Watch this. Look at everybody in the room at home. How many people have never had a deja vu? Well, you'll notice no hands are up, right? And now watch this. How many people have had a deja vu? And look, every hand in the room is up. You know why? A deja vu is seeing through time. In a deja vu, you say, oh my God, I've dreamt this in the past. Which means in the past, you had a dream where you yourself saw the future. It's real. It's very real. Let me tell you an experience, and I love this experience. First of all, you should know that when a believer gets activity, you look at it and you go, that's clearly a ghost. And when skeptics get activity, you look and you go, well, it could be a ghost, it just might not be. And cynics usually don't get any activity at all to even judge. One night, we had this guy who was six foot eight, six foot nine, from Sweden or Switzerland, tall, tall guy. And uh, at the beginning of the tour, I said, are there any cynics? And the guy says, uh, I'm a cynic. And I looked at him, I said, are you sure? Because you sound like you're asking me. You're just going to have to explain things to me. If I think it's a ghost, you can't say, oh, it's not a ghost. I don't know what it is. You've got to tell me what it is. Can't just say that. 
So he came in here and he broke the mold because this cynic got all the activity in his photos. It was in every photo. It looked like a garden full of lightsabers. They were growing everywhere. It looked like a starter kit for the Superman Fortress of Solitude. All these white bright lights and I says to the guy, I said, okay Mr. Cynic, if there's no such thing as ghosts, explain to me what's going on in your camera there. Explain that to me. And the guy says, that's my mother. Ever since she died, she's been following me around. And I said to the guy, well, if you think that's your mother, how does that make you a cynic? And the guy said, I'm having a real hard time believing that all this is real. And he's and I said, I understand. And he goes, no, you don't, because she died a month ago. And then 29 days ago, this coincidence. And 25 days ago, this coincidence. And 24 days ago, this coincidence. I said, sir, after three, it's called a pattern. And what it was was because the guy refused to believe that his mother was coming through. His mother, who believed in this stuff a lot on the other side, she just wouldn't let it go. And she just kept coming through, coming through, coming through. That night, something interesting happened on the tour. Another thing happened to me. I was standing here at the, uh, the sundial, and there was this woman over there at a plant, and she had a, a tablet. She comes over to me. She says, can you come with me? Can you explain something to me? And she brings me over to this plant. Now, it's been cut down. I don't know why, but in the middle of the plant, there is a black circle. And I'm going to move this light so you can see the sundial is the circle. I'll use that as an example. It was April a couple of years ago. There were leaves coming out. It made it look like a wreath in the ground or a very big sunflower. And if you don't mind, folks, well, you know, I'm not really the angel of death, okay? It's just a guy in a skull mask and, and skeleton gloves. That's why, kids at home, you don't need to be scared because watch this. When was the last time you saw flesh underneath bone? It goes that the bone is underneath the flesh, doesn't it? But I'm taking this off and I'm breaking character so I can get the story across to you. She brings me over to this plant and we look down and through the tablet and there's the circle in the ground. Take a look at my fingernails. I want you to imagine that they're bright white lights and that there's no fingers there, just the four white bright lights. They were floating around like they were on black water and we looked down through the tablet and I said, what the hell is that? And when I said that, they stopped moving and they all sunk down to the ground. And then the first one went up and down by itself. And so did the second one. So did the third one. And so did the fourth. And she said, well, what's that supposed to mean? And I was like, hey, guess what? I don't know why there's no activity on that side of the garden. I don't know why the blue lights are over there. I don't know why the rods are over there. I know what that is. It's called a salutation. She said, what's that? I said, it's a really, really fancy word for hello. When you meet somebody, you bow to them. You're the only time you're ever going to do it before that is when you dance. So I says, the point is, is as soon as they heard my voice, they all stopped and moved individually. They just said hello to me. I've never seen anything like this in my life. And I take the tablet and I move it because I want to see the lights in reality. There were no lights there in reality. 
And I moved the tablet back and there's the four white lights. And then they rose up and they changed to green and yellow and red and blue. And they started moving around, leaving laser trails. And everybody's going, ooh, ooh, look at the lights dance, look at the lights dance. And the cynic was there and he says, you know, those are June bugs. June bugs? Like a lightning bug? Have you ever seen a damn lightning bug the way they fly? They look like they're damn little drunks, for God's sakes. I said one of the funniest things I ever said to anybody my whole life. I said, have you ever seen June bugs do choreography? No, you haven't. And when I said that, I realized, oh my God, I think I know what this is. Lights that dance, do you know at home? It's the dance of the fairies. And I saw it. And when I realized that, all I could think of was, you know, this is all fine and well, but I don't believe in fairies. I mean, that's kid stuff, right? That's not real. It's just make-believe. That's just a fairy tale. Oh, yes, it is a fairy tale, isn't it? So I decided to research some fairies, and here's what I came up with. If you see a fairy, it means that somebody you know who's dead is going to be reincarnated back into your life. Or someone on this side is going to die. And don't you hate that when a book says that? Well, it's either this or this. Okay, which is it? Well, I'll tell you which it is. At the time, I was working at a nursing home, and nobody had died in about six months. And the day after I saw those four lights, four old ladies died the same exact day. Word to God. I thought, well, that's proof, but I still don't believe in fairies. When do you see the plant? I, I did more research. They live in a fairy circle or on a fairy mound. So, the plant that's over there is a circular plant that's on a mound of dirt. And if seeing's believing, I'm sorry, folks. I believe. I'm going to take you over to the bench over there. The bench that over there has gotten so much activity, I call it the photobomb bench. Because people take pictures of the bench sitting on the bench with people on the bench and ghosts appear next to them. Or they take a picture of an empty bench and ghosts appear on the bench. Mike, I sent you this picture and you see that it looks like somebody is sitting down and somebody is standing up while the woman on the left is wearing boots. Well, why? If she lived in the late 1800s, women didn't show their feet until the 1900s. Why does she have boots? And I did some research. I discovered before this was the garden, this was the stables. And it was perfectly legitimate for a woman to wear boots in the stables. And even pants. You know what they called those pants? Dungarees. Dung. Yeah. Like poo, so you didn't get poo on your good clothes. And boots, so you didn't destroy your shoes. That's why the woman standing up is wearing boots. If you look at her face, it looks like a little cloud. Well, we zoomed in on her face and took a comparison picture between her and one of the ladies who lives here. Her name is Eliza Ropes. Let's see those pictures next to each other. That's, look at that. Look how their hairlines are exactly the same. Look like their jawlines are exactly the same. And it's an empty bench. I'm going to be sitting on it for the next story. Follow me.
This is the bench I was telling you about. Come on over and have a seat. This is my favorite story about the bench. We're sitting here uh, now, but uh, this woman came on the tour and she was all by herself and she had a stranger take a picture of her. And then I was over there at the, uh, at the what's it called, the sundial, and the woman comes over to me and she's like just blushing her face off and she goes, I think I got something. And she gives me her phone and I look at her and I go, oh my God, is that what I think it is? And the woman goes, yep. That's my dog. And if she was sitting here, the dog is right here. Right where the lantern is, okay? But the dog was solid. And you gotta understand, I'm no expert at this sort of thing. You know, I just know what I see because of what had happened with David's grandmother. I thought solid meant recent. So I said to the woman, I said, did your dog just die? And the woman goes, that is the strangest thing in the whole world. This dog has been dead for 10 years. You don't think he's been with me that whole time, do you? And I said, well, lady, that's what I used to think until I read all those damn books. All the books said, no, no, your dog died and went to the other side. There's only a couple of reasons that dog could be here. She said, what? I said, it's to give you the message. She said, what's the message? I said, well, you kind of have to think like a dog, you know, because dogs no come and dogs no stay. Your dog is here to tell you it's your time to stay. It's not your time to go to the other side. Or it's your time to come because it's time to come to the other side. Now, if you heard something like that, wouldn't you be like shocked and just like dismayed or depressed or upset? The woman goes like this. She goes, that is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and I go, lady, I'm not trying to make you laugh. I'm trying to be serious right now. She says, what are you saying? And I says, well, based on what you're telling me, you need to see a doctor. And she goes, no thanks, I don't need to see a doctor. And I'm Italian, Mike, half Italian. You know what it's like to be Italian. It came out, I was like, yes you do. Make sure you make the appointment tomorrow. It's a matter of life and death. And you know, with the hands and everything. And the woman says to me, I'm telling you, I don't need to see a doctor. That's why I think it's so funny. I just came from the doctor before I came on this tour today. He says I'm totally clean. It's totally gone. And you know what that means? She had cancer, now she doesn't. She had a tumor, now she doesn't. And the dog in the picture was obviously there to do its job. To say, lady, it's not your time. Isn't that a beautiful story? Beautiful. And now we're going to head to our final stop, Broad Street Cemetery. Follow me. <laughs> Here we are at Broad Street Cemetery. Welcome to the cemetery. You know you can't have a ghost tour without a cemetery. Did you know there's a difference between a graveyard and a cemetery? Sure. If it's next to a church, those are the graves in the yard of a church. That's a graveyard. If there's no church, it's a cemetery. And this is Broad Street Cemetery. It's a very popular cemetery. You know how I know? Well, people are just dying to get in there. <laughs> I heard the best cemetery joke the other day. This gravedigger goes in one morning, and
and he sees a guy kneeling at a grave. And the guy is screaming and crying at the grave. Why did you die? Why did you have to die? How could you do this to me? Oh my God, my life would have been so different if only you had lived. Why did you die? And the grave digger says, I've never seen anybody so broken up. Who's buried in that grave? And the guy kneeling at the grave says, it's my wife's first husband. Why did you die? Why did you die? Isn't that funny? Well, here's the sad story for our ghost story. It was 1841. A woman lost not one, not two, but three of her children to smallpox. She didn't have land to bury her kids on. She didn't have money to bury them here in Broad Street Cemetery. And she didn't think it was fair that other people got to bury their kinfolk in this cemetery. She did what she thought was right. She secretly buried her children in here. She wrapped her kids in newspapers and snuck them to somebody else's grave. And that's when the haunting began. It was 1841. At that point, people would start walking past the cemetery, day or night. And they heard the laughing children laughing and playing like they were still alive. <laughs> people would be walking past the cemetery and they'd hear the dead children laughing and playing like they were still alive and little kids said to their parents, I hear kids playing in there, can I go play with them? And the parents would say, well, we hear them too, we just never saw them. Maybe they're playing hide and seek. Why don't you see if you could find them? And kids would spend hours in this cemetery looking for the laughing children only to come out and say, we still hear them. The story said that little dogs heard the laughing children. And for some reason the dogs rushed in to play with them, but the dogs had a heightened sense of awareness. And the dogs realized the laughs were coming from dead children. And they left the cemetery screeching. This was a repeat haunting, folks. It lasted more than a decade, more than two decades. It lasted more than half a century, more than a century. It lasted 139 years. In 1980, a great storm came. It washed away part of the hillside and revealed the dead bodies of the children. That's how we know it's a documented ghost story. The date was still clearly legible on the newspaper. 1841. The people from the town went to the people that owned the grave. They said, we know you didn't bury them in here. You've been diligent about documenting your kinfolk in this grave over the centuries. But it is your grave. We have to defer to you. We want to know what you think we should do with these bodies. And those nice people said, well, they really weren't bothering anybody all that time. I mean, people got scared, but no one got hurt. Why don't we just leave them where they are and we'll give them a proper burial with caskets and prayers. And that's what they did. But the only thing is after that, 
the laughter stopped. Nobody heard those laughs ever again. You just hear about them on my ghost tour. You didn't know there was going to be lighting effects, did you? So let me tell you one last story. Remember I told you about dead as a doornail? These are some definitions you might not know about. Come on in, I'll tell you all about it. It's pretty cool. Do you know about the yellow fever scare of the early 1900s? I don't. Oh my God, they were burying people alive. They weren't trying to, it's just that doctors hadn't perfected, you know, the stethoscopes. So they'd be lowering a body into the ground. And you could hear scratches from the inside of the coffin. Can you imagine that sound in your head of fingernails against the coffin? And if it wasn't scratching, sometimes they heard a knock. So you don't want to bury a living person, so put a string around the corpse's finger and a bell up on the surface. If you woke up in the coffin, just pull the string and you would be saved by the bell. <laughs> People that were listening for the bells were cemetery employees and they were working overnight on the, do you know? No. The graveyard shift. And they thought a zombie was going to come out of the ground. The undead. Because the person was supposed to die, they looked horrible going in, they looked horrible coming out. But if the person coming out of the grave looked exactly like the person who had gone into the grave, then they were a dead ringer for themselves. And that's why a dead ringer means something that looks exactly alike. But you know, I did the internet on this dude and Half the internet says it's a real story, half the internet says, no, it's just a story. It's not the real origin. So, either way, I hope you like the story, and I hope you like all my stories. I want you to know, if, if, if you ever are in a cemetery, because I've been to all the cemeteries in Salem, I've been looking for a bell, I never saw a bell. So, you know, if you ever see a bell, I want to see it. Send me a picture, and if you hear a bell, well, come on. It's just your imagination. <laughs> well, folks, that's our show for the night. Hope you enjoyed this special Halloween 02148. Thanks again to my friend Bob Control. Bob, that was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Unbelievable. You, you can call me Boo Tiffle. Boo Tiffle. Boo Tiffle. Where can we find Boo Tiffle? Uh, well, I work for Salem Historical Tours, 8 Central Street in Salem, and I do the Haunted Footsteps Ghost Tour. Fantastic. Well, that's our show. Hope you enjoyed it. Remember, be careful out there, and of course, wear a mask. Like, well, speaking of masks, you know, you can't go home like this. Let, let, let me do my magic on you to turn you back to normal. Well, you don't have to. Oh, come on. Oh, well, okay. Zip. See? Oh, much better. There you go. Thanks for having me, everybody. Good night, Mark. Good night, Walter.